0: Hi, my name is Ruby, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Finlayson-Fife's assistant. And you're listening to the Dr. Finlayson-Fife Podcast Archive. The podcast you're listening to today is entitled "Supporting Healthy Sexuality and Identity in Our LDS LGBTQ Children." Originally produced and published by Allison Dayton of the Lift and Love Podcast. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, everybody. Hi. Hi. We are thrilled, beyond thrilled, to have Jennifer Lason 5 on our show today, who is the renowned Yay. doctor. And you're not actually sex therapist, but we call you the Mormon sex therapist. I think yes. you the Mormon I sex therapist. I get called therapist.
1: that. Yes. <laughs> Very good family <laughs> therapist, right? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm licensed as a prof- uh, as a clinical professional counselor, but I've done all my training in family systems and sexuality and so on. So, yeah.
1: Wow.
0: Well, and, and I was joking with her before I said, we call you the um, Mormon Oprah because you're so wise and have yeah. said things that were like, yes. Oh my goodness. Like have right. changed the uh, the conversation around sex for women in the mm. church, which mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm still thankful for. And so mm-hmm. today we're going to talk to her about some LGBTQ issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so I just wanted to give some background.
1: I met uh, Dr. Finlayson Fife at a retreat that I took my daughter to right after her mission which was brave, but I felt like she really um, could benefit from kind of a reframing of her sexuality before she was out dating and getting ready That's to get smart. married. And I did ask her if I could say that um, <laughs> on the podcast, but um, as I listened to fin, uh, Dr. Finlayson- Five can there call was... me Jennifer, it's easier. Yeah, like, so <laughs> it's like a mouthful. <laughs> I know, I know. Dad, I'll, TQ. I'll be like tripping over everything. Um,
0: Sound like
1: me. <laughs> exactly. So there's just, uh, there was just such a, I love how Jennifer brings the gospel and the power from within us into the discussion about our sexuality and using it for goodness. And just as Jennifer, as Jenny and I have been working um, with different people on their issues, there these mothers with issues with their children and trying to work through this, this, this sexual, this issue of sexuality is so prevalent that we thought this would be a perfect fit
0: mm-hmm.
1: for Jennifer to kind of help us navigate these waters because they're tricky and there's uh, there no signposts out. So we're on our
0: own on this. And the more educated we get as moms about yes. sexuality and all these things, I think the more tools we have to help our children. Absolutely. So let's yes. jump
1: right in. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing we wanted to talk about was sexuality 101 and what we know about LGBT Q issues, but particularly um, being gay and, mm-hmm. and how that there's not a, we're not, we don't have definitive answers, but what can you give us kind of a one hundred and one on on that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't have the statistics so freshly in my mind that I mm-hmm. can just re- get, but um, my husband and I actually went to a presentation last year by Bill Bradshaw. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was the EnCircle conference in Salt Lake because we were in the area. And so, uh, so Bill's done a lot of really excellent research on, on um, LGBTQ uh, realities and what the biological basis is for them. And, you know, transgenderism from a biological perspective versus being gay or lesbian. Mm -hmm. And so I can't remember the specific numbers, but this, the important piece is that you know, I think it was maybe like six to 7% for gay men, it's biologically driven. He talked a lot about the way the brain, that the sex organs develop ahead of the brain development. And so there can be a split between how much of these sex determining hormones are in the system during different times um, within development. And so it can create more of a split in a sense between you know how one is attracted how one thinks about themselves identity versus biological organs hmm. and so he talked about some of these biological processes and why we have this variation in sexual orientation and gender identification and sort of the biological basis for it. So it was very interesting research. He was Bill Bradshaw. For those who don't know, is a BYU professor <laughs> who was there when I was at BYU, and has a son who is gay, yes. and so that started a lot of his research and thinking um, on the topic. So he's a great resource among many others. But we might, uh, but
1: we might the, be able to link that. I think. I think. Yeah. Published that yeah uh, yeah exactly i think that would be
2: and and i think the important thing in just thinking about this is that you know if sexuality and sexual orientation were strictly a choice you know then then you can put it in the moral frame because if it's just about choosing then then morality has a role within it but when it's more complex than that and biology and disposition and so on are factors within our choosing well, then the issues around choice and morality then are certainly impacted. If there's something you don't have control over, you can't be morally responsible for it. Correct. And so yeah. I think that's just a piece that sometimes we want to, in the in the discussion. I mean, I can appreciate why um, these issues create anxiety for all of us. Really. I mean, I you know I when I was at BYU, I had a cousin who I was quite close to, who was married, who started talking to me about the fact, I mean, he was talking to his wife about it as well, but that he had always been attracted to men and that he felt so broken and he felt so confused. And he was just, he sort of knew I was a therapist in training and he was just trying to get some wisdom on it. And I remember at the time, well, I loved him and I cared about him and I wanted to be a good source of wisdom, or kind of just perspective in his life. And that it was really something that it just was complex, it made the world much more complex than I wanted it to be. I think that's how I would say it, you know, is that there wasn't an easy answer. And I I couldn't in at that time, there was more of thinking among regular Latter-day Saints that this is a choice, and you shouldn't choose it. And even if it isn't a choice, you shouldn't choose. And <laughs> You know, right. there was just more, you know, I think fear of the topic. And uh, and so anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is I can see why a lot of us don't like it because it complicates our picture of God's plan and how things should be. And yeah. so it can make it easy to have simple-minded thinking about it as a way to make our own world
0: more simple. Yeah, we like everything tied up with a bow. And this uh, is yes.
2: tied up with a bow. Yeah. And, and if you don't have a child who's gay, well, then it's much easier to tie up everybody else's world with a bow, you right. know, because you don't have to deal with, wait a minute, this is my child whom I love and who I know and who's good, you know, that that pulls in a whole different direction.
1: Well, and if you think about, you know, just the pure process of making a child and all the different characteristics that are coming to play, like, I, I mean, I've got a to a girlfriend who's not very tall, or her husband's not very tall, her son's like six, seven. Mm, yeah. I yeah. mean, like, we've got, you've got right. a lot, and nobody questions that. That's right. The, the you know, variety of eye color, or hair color, or curl, or mm-hmm. not curl. But when it comes to sexuality and the variation, we don't look at it as God's great creation. That's right. Like, you know, or God, God's... Right. Right. We, we at it, see it as, well,
0: many of us can think of it as a defect in some way yeah, or something yeah, went which wrong. Is
1: bad, which, it, yes.
0: It's a true, like I was talking to Allison about this and tell me if my take's right. It's like, I view sexuality as like, almost like hair color, like even heterosexual, homosexual, yes. all, there's so much spectrum, right?
2: That's yeah. right. Absolutely. And so there is this, there, I can't remember the person who created this model, but it was the spectrum of heterosexuality to homosexuality and that human beings are somewhere on this spectrum. Mm-hmm. Like, It might have been Kinsey, actually. It may have been Kinsey. That would be pretty progressive thinking at the time. And then also how sexual, asexuality to hypersexuality. Mm -hmm. And so I actually heard this presentation at BYU years ago, but it was basically looking at, you know, the more extreme you are, the less the sense of choice. That is to say, if you're not that sexual... Uh, you may not. This may not be a big issue for you, even if you identify more with the same sex than the opposite sex. Right. But the more sexuality matters to you and to your your sense of self and kind of your values and desires, then the more this this matters for sort of self defining and one's happiness in
1: life. Right. Well, and with that, let's talk about. So a lot of parents say to me, and uh, there's a conversation in the the church that says. Everybody is under the law of chastity, Mm -hmm. um, both, you know, gay and straight. So, Mm -hmm. but it's not really the same for Mm -hmm. for gay people, right? We ask them to not have sexual relationships. So let's just talk about the differences between celibacy and chastity as we know it in our Mm -hmm. gospel. Mm -hmm.
2: Well you know I think of chastity differently than celibacy. I mean I, d- just to start with I think of chastity as more of a way of being like mm-hmm. a purity of heart. Um, right. a lot of times we conflate this idea that sexuality we have a lot of conflations in our narratives in my opinion around sexuality because we fear sexuality and we think of sexuality as sort of Satan's pathway to you know a kind of indulgence and destructiveness, just in general, we do. So we, sometimes I think people think of chastity as pure, as in untouched by sexuality, like that sexuality becomes this sort of reality that makes us less innocent, less pure, and so on. And I think that of chastity is more about purity of heart, that we're, we're in relationship to our sexuality and to others in a way that is has integrity in it, that is good for us and good for anyone that we're in relationship with, that we're creating goodness through our sexuality. So then if you think of chastity from that frame, chastity is a way of being in relationship to your sexuality. I mean, you have to really think about what you mean by that, because a lot of people think that then means you, you know, you can't have passion and you can't, you you, you know, you have to kind yeah. of strip yourself of this. And that's not at all what I mean at all. Um, no, because but- I think
0: Passion
2: is goodness. (laughs) It is goodness. It's 100% goodness. It's part of joy. It's part of spirituality. It's part of um, experiencing a transcendence and oneness with the divine, with your beloved, with yourself. It's it's really where so much beauty lies. And, And so many of us are so terrified of sexuality or think of it as this indulgent reality that we never come to know and experience what intimate sexuality can in fact be. So I think that a lot of times we, at least I, you know, I've heard growing up and thinking about these things a lot, a lot of the kind of narratives that culturally that have been taken on, we're definitely progressing as a church community, which I'm really grateful for. But when I was growing up, I heard a lot of people say, well, people that, you know, if you're gay, lesbian, you just just don't have sex, like singles in the church, you just don't shouldn't do it. Right. And that if you're single, you're not going to have sex. And why are people hyper valuing sexuality so much? Okay. And I understand partly because we're in a society that really values sexual expression and there is a kind of focus on sexuality in our larger culture that hasn't been there before. So I do appreciate that if this is just about sexual pleasure. But the thing is, when we think about getting married, we're not just thinking about sexual pleasure. (laughs) We're thinking about, having a special person in our life. We're thinking about loving and being loved, being able to express our sexuality with a very special person in our life. And so even if you're single, you're there is the hope and anticipation that you will find that special person with whom you can be sexual. And even for a single person, how to say it, it's not really about marriage. It's about I meaning how to say it, it's about finding the special person that you want yeah. to be married to. And so that is to say, you may not have control over whether or not you find that special person that you want that strong commitment with, but there's still the hope.
0: Yeah, and I think we view them like they're on the right path, right? Like they're yeah, that, that they want that, that they, exactly.
2: And it's a fully legitimate path to be on that they're looking for the right person in their life or the person that they really want to commit to. I think if you're gay, you don't have and in in active in the church and trying to abide that, there is this sense you don't get to have someone special in your life. I mean, you don't really get to pair bond. You don't get to do all of us want someone special. And, um, you know, there may be a few people out there who don't want to pair bond, but that's not defined by sexual orientation. And so I think to rob our kids of that possibility, is a really big ask. I think it's one we have to really think through carefully because if it's just about sexual indulgence, you know, I don't want any of my kids to do that. <laughs> right? right, I mean, okay. straight or gay, you know, I don't right. I don't think that's good for human beings in general. And so, but if we're saying it's because of your orientation, um, then I think we have to really think about if that's the right thing to ask.
1: Right, well, right. and, You know, someone that might be single still dates and can hold hands and kiss and cuddle and make out and do all those fun things that yes are a part of yes. And those are important parts of of life. Those are that's like yes, and they're important parts of
2: exactly one of the things I talk about in some of my courses is and especially about how to talk to your kids about sex course is the fact you know a lot of times when our kids hit puberty and start having sexual feelings we get worried like Something's going wrong, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, no, something's going right. This is absolutely necessary. Right. It's how your body's made, but also just the sexual energy itself is a part of psychological maturation and having a direction for that sexual energy. I remember my son was taking piano lessons. It's always hard to get him to practice. He's like 13 or 14, and he meets a girl who learns that he can play the piano and that he knows a Bruno Mars song.
0: And oh, so yeah. he comes
2: home and he's just like brah, 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 like all <laughs> night long. <laughs>
0: that was such good luck for you. I know. <laughs> Gosh. But this, that's what no, my question is. Like, when we ask this ask, what damage are we really doing to? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think. What, what are they supposed to sublimate that with? Like, what are they supposed yeah. to swap it with? Because we're taking Right. Out- so there's two
2: different things. Because if there really is a legitimate I remember saying to my roommate, because when I was back discussing some of these ideas with her back when I was in grad school, and she was taking the position of, you know, it's just a sacrifice, but and, you know, we love them. And I'm like, but that's not good enough. I mean, what exactly are we going to offer as an alternative? Because if right. you have to say, if you're really going to make that ask, you have to really think about what it would be like to be in this person's shoes. And do they have a legitimate path? Because at that time, it was like sort of don't ask, don't tell, just right. don't talk about it. And, and um, you know, if like in some religious traditions, there was a way to choose celibacy and have a kind of what's the word esteemed role within the faith community you know seeing it as an actual sacrifice meaning there you still i'm not saying that i would want that life i think that would still be very hard but Mm -hmm. you could choose it and have an esteemed role you could see it as a gift from god because you had another purpose Um, And so it gives you a real direction. I think in our current framing, or I I know we're continuing to do better with it, but I think that the damage can be that, well, there's something broken about you and there really is no legitimate path except to kind of stay thwarted in your sexual and emotional development. Which is
1: a real immaturity, really. It's a real cost both to a person
2: and to a community, in my opinion. Right because you don't then get to, it's very difficult, I think, to grow into full adulthood without also being able to grow in your sexuality and your ability to love and be loved. I mean, I talk in my, my Strength in Your Relationship course about the fact that marriage is a divine institution because it pressures our emotional and spiritual development. This process of being in intimate relationship is is a driver of development you learn how to love i mean if you're you you can just resent it and not learn anything from it and lots of people do that but i mean if you're using the pressure points to see yourself more clearly to grow into a kinder more flexible person to grow in your sexual development to be somebody more capable of knowing and being known through your sexuality you you create really refined people (laughs) you you create stronger better people it's an important process and we teach that in the church all the time but if we rob our gay kids from from that possibility and then say they don't get to have it because, because they're having the wrong kind of sex, I, I think, I don't think that's a service to any of us, especially to them. Right. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that we're afraid, if you're heterosexual, there can be a real fear of homosexuality because it's been culturally so linked to ideas like being pedophiles and being yeah. aberrant and, and, and then I think because we've not done a good job of offering full acceptance to our uh, gay and lesbian kids, um, LGBTQ kids, <laughs> it's just like such a mouthful, but know. you know, to, <laughs> um, that, you know, then I think there sometimes has been less healthy behavior in the beginning of some of their forays into, Dating and so on because they feel rejected sometimes, or they're entering that late in, in, it, you know, that their emotional development hasn't caught up, given some of the challenges around identity and so on. But, mm-hmm. but if we really offer our kids a legitimate place, well, then they can abide the same rules and they can also ask of themselves to be loving and careful and respectful
1: and in the same way we would ask um, our straight kids, so... Right, and we talked about this before you jumped on Jenny, but I've had this idea, like trying to explain to your family, having a sex talk. And one day, years ago, we locked, we were driving from California and put on uh, Jennifer's tapes about, not a tape. How to her, talk to your, her, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, her course on how to I talk to your you. kids in the car. Yes, and they <laughs> still tease it. us <laughs> for locking us in the car. And that's
0: a great way. Sex talk. <laughs>
1: Oh, it's like a family joke. They're all grown. Yeah. <laughs> but they love that. I mean, they loved it and they hate, they hated it. Like and they all have to at
2: least act like they hate it. They can't uh, say they love it.
1: <laughs>
0: but um, yeah. Well, yeah, so we, what would you recommend? Well, but, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say,
1: but to have your kids sitting in front of you and have this conversation about sex and then to look at one child and say, actually, you this doesn't apply to you mm-hmm. ever. Like this, all of this goodness that dad and I are telling these kids about, it doesn't work, you can't have it. Mm -hmm. I mean, essentially is what we're asking parents to do, which is against all parent instincts. Mm -hmm. Because as as a parent, you want your kids to be healthy in a healthy relationship to find love and to be refined by, like you said, like by the relationship refined you. I mean, you have to sacrifice for someone else. You cannot have life the rest, you know, the way you want the rest of your life. You have to sacrifice and give
0: and love.
1: It's so important.
0: And this is not one of those things that you could fake it till you make it. I mean, I've had a marriage in my family, two marriages in my family that involve um, a homosexual partner that, because you just cannot cleave without that desire. You know? that's right. So, That's right. Yeah, so what would you recommend to moms if they're like, have, have both in their family? And yeah. what would you say to tell your gay kids? Well,
2: one of the things I talk about in the How to Talk to Your Kids About Sex course is that love has to lead the way around this. I mean, we're in uncharted territory, not fully uncharted, but, you know, largely. And I work with lots of families where the parents love the gospel and they love their kids. Mm -hmm. and both are true and they know the truthfulness that's in the gospel but they also know there's something awry in this idea and their love and knowledge of their child pressures them to sometimes approach it from i don't know what's best yet i don't know but i love you and we can figure this out together and um a lot of parents starting from that frame of like, I love you and we can pray about it and think about it and be wise about it. Um, I worked with one family where their son, it was very clear he was gay, parents, you know, had served in the church all their lives, wonderful people, and their son was just too afraid to admit it, but he was getting suicidal and depressed and really struggling. And, um, you know, the parents led the way for him where, Um, they just were, they would talk to him and say, I think he was so terrified to kind of claim the reality because he thought he'd lose all of his community and he'd lose the gospel and he didn't want to lose either. And, and yet there was this big part of himself that he couldn't make go away. He couldn't pray it away. Mm -hmm. And so his parents out of their love for them, I mean, they had never thought about these issues. It's not like they had, you know, um, it was more knowing their son that pressured them to say you deserve to thrive and you deserve to love someone and do it responsibly and and find a good person in your life and you can have the gospel and have this and we back you up and yeah. i mean what a lucky child i mean really to have that kind of clarity from his parents which you know takes some courage but but i think you know the 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 idea that for me, is so clear. It's, in, it's so much in. The, it's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. But, but this idea that love is the highest commandment, and this love of God, self, and other, is more important than the, the specifics. The details right. are there to point us to that. And if we're and Christ was very clear about this. If we're using the details and the rules and our current understanding, which we've also been counseled against, right? Don't take our current understanding and, and slam the door on future light and knowledge. But if you take the ideal of love as your as your guide, it will help you sort out what's true. If we use love as our guide, we will continue to evolve as a faith, as families, As parents, as couples, you have to think about is what I'm doing creating me, uh, bringing me closer to God and what is good, or is it leading me farther from it?
0: Right. Is it allowing
2: me a deeper sense of organization and integrity and solidness and clarity, or is it leading me away from it? And, you know, a lot of us, in the name of righteousness, would rather reject our children and say we stand up for goodness because it's easier because then you can just take a position that reinforces what's comfortable for you but reject the one that you have a deep responsibility to right you know and And most parents don't do that but some sometimes people do do that they'll do it in marriages i'd rather reject you and what you care about then be uncomfortable and grow myself up to really know you and to deal with how you're different from me. Mm-hmm. And and that's the measure of
1: love. Well, and that brings up such a good point, because if we do that, if we reject our child and if we just shut the door on that, like mm. you're, this is what you're doing is bad. Where do they go? And oh, to whom do, to whom do they turn for this, for the, what they need? I mean, Oh, it's, it's and,
2: very sinful in my opinion to do that to your child and and church totally. leaders have been very clear about that but when you shut them off you, you actually first of all you're making a hypocrisy of your faith right. okay so they they will reject it because they don't because they're angry about the fact that you're using faith to reject them mm-hmm. yeah our, our um,
1: religion of family and they're yeah, not yeah
2: right family. So, I mean, there's just no chance of them having that as an anchor point in their lives. Um, Then you're saying, you know, not only do you not get to have us or the faith community, but you're out on your own. Well, then there's all kinds of vulnerabilities. And I've worked with some clients in that position where their families have fully rejected them. And then seeing them go and make pretty um, risky choices for themselves. and really, if they hadn't been driven out into the colds, they wouldn't have been so um, vulnerable to kind of self harming behaviors.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I didn't mention this at the beginning for you, Jennifer, but my brother was gay Mm. and um, in in a time that was hard, he's older than all of us and he would have been older than all of us and his, um, his, behavior was it, what he did to kind of compensate for all of these feelings mm. that he couldn't deal with even though my parents were open and accepting the pressures from the outside caused some right. serious problems oh absolutely
0: and, and he hurt people in yeah yes he yes was yeah he got damaged so he damaged people. he was so damaged yeah.
1: in and yeah that taking his own life i mean he was that oh. damaged and his so hard so hard. And that informs me like that, that path is not, that's not goodness. There's, there wasn't goodness. Yes. It, there wasn't any goodness for him to grab onto even.
0: Yeah. Right. And that's, he was right. And I love how you phrase, right. um, phrase it, grow yourself up because yeah. that's kind of our whole thing is like, we feel like having a gay child really was God's opportunity to say, grow yourself up. Mm-hmm. And I love the story you said of that family of leading the way with love because it is unknown, and so yes. it is like going in it together. And it's like when you have the opportunity to have a gay child, you really do change, and it is your opportunity to co-parent absolutely, daughter, you know, because it well, isn't
2: that. absolutely, and know more about God through it. You know, I yes. mean. I mean my children have taught me more than I've taught them and I know it's super cliche to say things like that but it's 100% true I mean okay maybe I've taught them as much as they've taught me but I have learned so much from raising three very different children one of whom has special needs but they're just all very unique and they have gifts and challenges each one of them and you learn a lot about what it is to love someone, you learn a lot about what it is to see yourself through their eyes, which isn't always a pretty picture and pushes you to grow up. And what does this child need, maybe different from what this child needs, and how do you become within yourself a person who can be a resource? as they navigate their way in a complex world and live a moral life. I mean, that's what we hope for, for our children. right? And have their own relationship with God and that they are in a relationship with what is true and good and right for them. And we're teaching them, we have these guidelines, they're pretty good guidelines, but they aren't always the right thing for you. And so you need to also create this individual relationship with God, with your integrity, and daring to fulfill the measure of your creation, right? To become the person you were designed to be and bless the world through it. And that's a scary process. I think that's pretty scary for most of us actually um, to be really true to the gifts that we have because if we are, we will have the richest, most um, high capacity society if we would do that because we would take the gifts we've been given and express goodness through them in our unique ways. But because there's so much pressure on conformity as a way of managing our own anxieties individually, that we will pressure other people to be like us or make choices like us, that we then suppress so much intelligence, so much capacity, so much uniqueness, that that's really what Zion is, is to thrive in that way. And as we become more capable of love, we will thrive more collectively because we will allow more room for our individuality that can be expressed in a way that blesses the group, right? Not an individuality that hurts others in the group. Yeah.
1: I, I like where you talk about the suppressing and the design to be, who you've been designed to be. Yeah. I mean, it just right. doesn't just have like the uniqueness of each of us in and there, in that yeah. like statement. But you're talking yes. about suppressing and one of the things that I feel like that I had to do in this process was the, the messages that I got were suppressing my, my, my gift of being a mother and knowing that child suppressed Mm -hmm. it. And it pushed, you know, I was second guessing myself. And there was a moment in all of this where I said, like, I've got it, you know, and I know that, that I was receiving intel information, all the time mm-hmm. from the spirit about how to raise this child what to say at the right moment mm-hmm. but i suppress you start suppressing because of the kind of the mm-hmm. message coming in and mm-hmm. that's what's so important that's what we need parents right. to do is this is a direct line to god don't let anybody get in right. the way of that take everything you've learned as information and then take it to god and, and we, we that bite. is so much a
2: part of our faith but because yeah. we're afraid we often deny that reality yes you know, I you know I I, I know you know just given a lot of the work I do, I had struggles with women's position in the church, and sure. and and I really struggled with God around those things, and and I really was given a message of it is your job to struggle with these things and to discern and to stand up for what you feel is right. And I was afraid of that answer. I, I, yes. I knew it was divine because I didn't want that answer. Yeah. <laughs> what I wanted was yeah. don't worry yeah. your yeah. pretty little head about this. It's yeah. all good. Just follow because Have that's where you're going. Yeah, yeah, you're just going to okay. get you're going to get the validation of the group that I and I like to be liked and I like yeah. people to feel good about me. And yet I knew if I really were to live more honestly and to challenge what felt wrong to me that it would be challenging to some people, you know, mm-hmm. people that, and it, it's not such a big deal now, but back then we were really given lots of clear messages about how to be a woman and so on. And so
0: sure.
2: anyway, but I, my point is that's scary <laughs> that's because so scary. you you risk the invalidation in the process of standing for what is true and what, or at least what you feel genuinely to be true and be right. Even if you don't have it all figured out that you're continuing to stand up earnestly and honestly for what you think is more right. And that develops us as individuals and it develops us as a collective. So it is our calling to do this and, and to be in that reflexive relationship between our integrity and the rules. I mean, the rules are guidelines, they're good guideposts, they can be helpful to us. But we, if we make them the way to live, well, then we handicap our development, our spiritual and our relational development. And it's very important we don't do that. And that's very much in our gospel, that reality that we are growing into more godly people. And the way you do that is through conscience and a relationship with the divine, not just rule following.
0: Like Joseph Smith, like, I mean, yeah. the easiest answer he would have gotten is go to Pastor Joe down the street. That's the right. church, right? That's right. So this is
1: exactly how our church
0: was founded. Yeah, is, right? and if
1: he had, if you know, he got some ideas that were just radical in the, at the time. Had he said, "I can't share those with anybody," which is what right. I think we do as mothers who, of gay children who know, and and as women with our right. own kind of standing, think oh. we would have stunted. We would have suppressed that. If he would have suppressed that you know, the ramifications so, of that.
0: Yeah, we're so afraid not to be um, in the group, right? It's just yeah. about mm-hmm. her humanness. Mm-hmm. And so one of the right. things is a problem right now is I think people think that
1: speaking about gay issues, LGBTQ issues um, and having a different opinion than the doctrine is, um, a, you know, you'd lose your temple recommend or you'd be, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're leaving the church and, and mm-hmm. that's not true. And I think- yeah. that, Elder Kustrapherson stated that plainly yes, yes. pulling people out of the church that yes. is the problem not you yes. wrestling like you said yes. with the divine yes yes that's, that's right that's where i that's mean that's our divine calling yeah. to do that and, mm-hmm. and my study for lgbt like getting through all of this has been eve mother in heaven and women in the church. That's what informed all of this, which doesn't make sense, but I learned through the the same, that study of women. Yes. And I just, well, and
2: I have to say, you know, there's just, I have to say in the work I've done and the people I've worked with in my counseling and coaching and stuff, the women, the mothers, I know I'm going to sound cliche again, but it's really true. The mothers of of LGBTQ kids, like there's just so much courage and strength there. I mean, I think that it's right what you're saying about that this is their calling in a sense, this is their child, their beloved, you know, they're not going to betray that. Um, But you see the tremendous strength that's in so many of these women who love God and love their child and they're really in that central struggle in a really meaningful and powerful way.
0: Right wow, emotional because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's everything.
1: And then they're, yeah, they're not trying to be like adversarial. They're no. trying to figure this out because we've that's been right. given something a piece that of the puzzle that doesn't make sense yet. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. we're and and it's because we have that puzzle piece and we love that puzzle piece, we've got to figure this out and it, right. I, I believe it's it's the mothers who will make changes in this. The yes. strength of the mothers supporting their sweet children. That's and right. Yeah yep. the mothers who know that we know yes in this. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, That's I love it. Right. And I love how you talked about because um, we want to be able to teach moms how to have a healthy sexuality. and I love what you say. Um, mm-hmm. about just working with the child. Mm-hmm. We tell our son we expect the same things out of you as we did before.
0: Yeah, you know? but I right. like what you said. Beating the mother has to have a healthy sexuality. So if you have not to pimp your classes, yeah. but <laughs> I've done. They're yeah, online they and they're both amazing courses. Like if you have not, that would be the best Christmas gift to go get. For you is to go Absolutely. get classes. They're easy, they're she's delightful to watch, and they're just they're amazing. So yeah, if you can clean up your sexuality and how your feelings about it, you're gonna be such a better yeah. resource for your child. Right.
2: That's really That's true, scary, honestly. Because what when you start because if you think of sex as something dangerous, if you think of something you don't identify with at all, well, it might be easier to ask your child to do the same because you're like I'm you know, it's not that great anyway. (laughs) Right. Right. But if you really then start to understand how central it is to your strength, to your sense of self, to joy in your life, to being able to be fully at ease and at peace in your own body and mind. Well, then you also have the clarity about what sexuality can be and you can be a much better guide to your children. You know, a lot of young adults I've worked with who you'd say their parents said things like, you know, wait till you get married, but the parents hate sex. So it's like, it seems like a kind of counterfeit offer. Like, no, thanks. Because like, I don't, you know, that doesn't um, sound so compelling to me. And so, <laughs> and so you want to, the more you've worked out these pieces, the more you're in a position to really offer a kind of scaffolding to your children who need it, who need a, who need a better way, because there's a lot of poor messaging outside of, of the church and, and you need something that really gives them a moral path to live uh, yeah. a full life. I
0: How do they totally you find your uh, courses, Jennifer? What'd
2: you say? How do they find your courses? If they go to my website, which is just my name, finlayson um, mm-hmm. you'll see everything there. And it is actually a Christmas sale right now for 20% yeah. off all the courses. So it's just until I think the day after Christmas is when it ends. So so yeah i don't know if this will post before then but
0: yeah well we can try and get it up. Like your ending advice for mothers who are in the middle of this like allison and i we both have a 21 and 23 year old boy who are dating and what would you say what would you eat? well i would
2: say a few things i would say if you're feeling overwhelmed and afraid and anxious if it's like new information and you're feeling af- afraid i would first say that that's normal because you're up against a reality that you feel unprepared for and insufficient for. Mm-hmm. And in some ways I'd say that's true. <laughs> I mean, that is to say, <laughs> like all of us, li- life hands you yeah. something that you weren't planning on and that you don't yet know how to respond to. And it. To, it's normal to have some of those feelings of dread or fear, But in time, you can come to a place of a decision of, am I going to use this to grow and be a good parent to my child, or am I going to walk away? And I think this is on some level to just reject or simplify. And that's a really, really important decision point and a really important uh, in terms of your faith and your responsibility to love, right? And so is if you choose to walk towards it and you're afraid, that's also normal, that's what faith is. And I think to trust many things, one is that love's the most important thing and to start praying and um, seeking to know what that is and seek to understand your child better. How do they think? What matters to them? What are they afraid of? What do they feel they need help with? How do they feel about themselves? Does their difficulty with their feelings about themselves, if they are having that, have anything to do with you or how you've tended to talk about these issues in the past? Is there something you can do to offer better for them um, relative to your own perspective? Also trusting not just that God cares and God is there as a resource, but there are many good people in the church who are there as resources as well. And so, of course, your program, there's uh, what you guys are offering and also the Mama Dragons and I can't think of all of them right now, but there's a lot of exceptional people who care very much about our LGBTQ kids. And so they're also a resource of wisdom and clarity. And, um, and to just trust in and in some ways embrace the growth process, even though it hurts. <laughs> That's what I'd say. It hurts at first. Yes. But once you get through that, well, then you see the joy and the beauty in it yeah. and you know I, I felt a lot of these feelings when i my child was diagnosed with autism of overwhelm fear like you know am i going to be okay and then a certain decision point like i'm bringing my best to this mm-hmm. and all the ways that i grew as a person and a parent just to understand life and understand what it means to love and understand what i don't have control over versus what i do but he's now 21, and just such a gift, really, to have him, to be able to be his parent. He's such a remarkable human being, and um, I've really, truly learned so much about what it is to be in this planet through the gifts that he has.
1: Yeah, amen. Amen. amen for that. Yeah, and, and and lucky us that we get to learn these lessons.
0: Yes. And have the
1: blessings. Lucky it's, us! It's so true. I got It is so, so true. This, yeah. yeah, I I feel I feel lucky all the time. Thank you yes. so much for thank helping you. us through this. This is like, this is this the hardest of all hard this, um, this particular issue. And we are so grateful yeah. for your wisdom and for the study that you did to get you, yeah, where you can help also, us with that. Yeah, thank yeah, you. you're you're wrestling. I think. Yeah. I've, goodness for all of us. Thank you so yeah, much.
2: Yeah, that's right. And I'll say one last thing about that. Yeah, I used to feel right. like that meant something was wrong with me that I struggled with these questions. I, I was in the MTC and everybody just had everything down pat. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to figure this out. What's the matter with me? Like, And it took me a while. And I, I'd say I didn't even fully get it then. I think looking back, I'm just so grateful because I feel like it allowed me to really come to know what God and goodness is and a clearer picture of what's true and more internal freedom within myself. Mm-hmm. So fully worth that struggle, even though I didn't value it at the moment.
1: <laughs> I, the I totally, I agree. So yes, it is. Great. And it's, it's worth every. Like mm-hmm. crying headache that you're going to end mm-hmm. up with and mm-hmm. like yes. sleepless yes, night. Right. It really is. Yeah. worth. It. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it it it's, is. It's a, it's a gift. Thank you yes. so
0: much. My
1: pleasure. Thanks so for having me. to talk to you. Absolutely.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Finlayson Fife and the work that she does, check out the links in our show notes below to learn more about where you can find Dr. Finlayson Fife's website, her online courses, information about her upcoming events, information about her free Facebook group, and more. Thank you for being here.